This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk about AI with Santosh Rao and the newest reference architecture for NVIDIA DGX1 with ONTAP. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm in the studio here today with Andrew Sullivan. Uh, Andrew, what did you learn about bringing drinks to the studio today? I am the reason I cannot have nice things. <laughs> Luckily, you didn't spill that all over our nice equipment here. You know, I, I got new hands. I'm just breaking them in. Got new hands. That's good. Uh, Andrew is actually uh, undergoing a, a transformation into a machine learning entity. Um, so he's going to learn more about drinking from his data collection of spilling things. That was, I, I don't even know what that was. That was an attempt at a segue to talk about what we're talking about today, which is AI and machine learning. Uh, so to do that, we brought none other than Santosh Rao in. So Santosh, if you could tell everyone here, uh, including the audience, what you do here at NetUp and how to find you on social media. Thanks, Justin. It's a pleasure to be back on again. Um, I'm a senior technical director in NetApp uh, Engineering, and these days I'm focused on AI and deep learning and machine learning, and uh, really bringing to life our new set of solutions around AI deep learning. It's an exciting place to be, and uh, as an innovator and as a technologist and as someone driving new products from the ground up, this is uh, this is a dream job right now, enjoying, uh, enjoying it very much, and we have uh, uh, quite a set of uh, teammates that are... Uh, that have taken up the cause, and uh, it continues to grow by the day. So lots of excitement. I have to say, internally, I see probably two or three emails a day coming out of your team about all of the things that are going on. So n- knowing nothing else, I know that this is a very exciting and a, a very uh, 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 fast-paced environment or, or solution area that you're working with. And how Absolutely. cool how, how cool is it that you get to come to work and just work on new future facing stuff that's interesting like AI and machine learning and not just the day-to-day grind. Yeah, it is absolutely amazing. I don't think we have ever seen use cases as fascinating as what we're seeing right now. I mean, we're talking about use cases that are as as diverse as NASA looking at being able to use AI and deep learning to look at the changes in space over the last 30 years, because they have images that have been taken as snapshots every 12 minutes for the last 30 years, and they can actually finally put all of those images in their archive to good use to be able to analyze cosmos and space and look at what planets were uh, created or, or disappeared from their images over those 30 years of time, news cases like that, to autonomous driving all around us, we're talking about robotic surgery these days. I mean, the, the use case is just amazing and fascinating, and it's uh, it's great that we have an opportunity here to really um, leave our imprint on this uh, on this fascinating new set of uh, use cases that are coming our way. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned NASA because it kind of illustrates the idea of data hoarding, right? So people and companies have kept this data around for decades. And they weren't quite sure what to do with it. In fact, they probably forgot they had a lot of it. It wasn't tagged very well, and they just kind of it sat kind of like your your home NAS device, right? You get pictures from vacation six years ago that you forgot you had, but now with AI machine learning, that data becomes new again. 
Yes, absolutely. You're looking at data is the is the hidden asset for all of the existing companies, and that is what lets them differentiate versus the incumbents. So whether it is NASA, whether it is uh, you know all of the use cases around banking, financials, payment industry, whether it is healthcare and automotive, particularly automotive. When you talk about automotive, we are now looking at a whole new set of technology players that are disrupting the space, and then a whole new set of use cases emerging around technology being, you know, it's more about mobile technology than it is about your car. And uh, that's just changing the game entirely. But at the same time, you've got the existing players and how do they differentiate against all of the new ones? The way they do that is by taking advantage of the data they already have today. So data is that hidden asset. You got to light up dark data. That's the phrase. You got to light up dark data and apply advanced analytics, AI, deep learning to be able to really take transformative insights out of that data. So if, if we start there, how do, uh, so I'm, I'm an organization, I'm a business, I have decades of data. Is there a particular format that I need that data to be in? Is there anything I need to do with that data to then begin to capitalize through these AI, ML, DL operations on that, uh, the value that might be hidden there? Yeah, that's a great question. So what it really comes down to is looking at your data in two ways. The first is, what new data do I want to create that is clean, structured, and curated in a way that I can apply intelligent processing to it? And many a times that is existing uh, businesses starting to pick up new technologies like IoT, creating new data with new sensors, and then starting to apply uh, a structure to that data, starting to apply clean, curated, labeled collections of data that they can apply AI, deep learning, machine learning to. And then you have the existing data, and what do you do with your existing data? And so many a times, customers find it easier to start with a pilot POC that works on new data, just because you have the opportunity to collect the data from the beginning in a way that is labeled and curated and can be more easily applied to AI and deep learning use cases. And as they go along, they then start to look at, okay, what existing data do I have? How do I start to transform that data, what kind of curation and labeling do I need to do on that data? How do I leverage that data to be able to get the maximum value out of my deep learning and machine learning? So it's it's two paths that companies take, and oftentimes they want to take the path down with new data just because that's the easier road and that's the faster road to showing an ROI and, uh, and showing uh, results on uh, your investment. So we covered... ONTAP and deep learning in episode 125 a bit, and we kind of did an overview um, there. But let's do just kind of a 10,000-foot view here of what deep learning and AI entails. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's, let's kind of just do the summary here. Yeah, so deep learning is the ability to essentially apply the transformative analytics similar to how the brain thinks. So at the end of the day, every cell in your brain is a neuron, and neuroscience is the foundation of AI and deep learning. And so when you look at what is neuron and what is it doing, it is basically taking a set of inputs and it is applying a set of weighted parameters to those inputs and it is then producing an output. And how does it do that? It does that by being exposed repeatedly to samples of data that it then learns to recognize and classify and and then apply the right outputs based on the inputs that it is receiving. So if you take the human brain, when a child is born, 
you don't really know what you're seeing. But as the child grows up, it's seeing the images around it, it's seeing its environment around it, and the child is able to start to classify the images that it's seeing, to segment the images that it's seeing, to apply parameters to the images it's seeing. It starts to learn from the images and the environment around it, and then it starts to take actions that are output actions based on what it is seeing. So fundamentally, AI and deep learning is the, is the bringing to life of how the human brain works in technology. What it does is it takes neural networks, which are an attempt to take a set of parameters that you can apply to label data and then be able to produce outputs that continue to evolve as your deep learning models get refined from the data. So the more data you feed it, the more it learns, the more it trains itself and starts to produce more refined and accurate results. So at the end of the day, this is all about emulating what the human brain does in ways that allows technology to learn from the data as opposed to having a human set a hypothesis and try to predict and validate that hypothesis. As we all know, our human intervention is the greatest limitation in technology. And if you can take that human intervention out of it and let the technology do its thing in ways that the human brain often does its thing, that is really the crossing of the barrier as far as technology transformation is concerned. So I can think of a pretty common real-world example of machine learning, one that's been around for a while, and that's, that's the Roomba. Do you have a Roomba, Santosh? No, I don't. We have a Roomba. It's a little robot that goes around and cleans your floor, and it remembers things like, you know, where that wall is or not to fall down the stairs and that sort of thing. It'll, it'll pick up these little bits of information, and it'll store them. So later on, it knows a more efficient way of cleaning your house without having to worry about all this... Uh, remembering of where everything is. It it already knows it. I was thinking Facebook tagging random strangers in your photos. <laughs> There's also that. Or today I, I was I was like driving and all of a sudden my map pops up and says, Chick-fil-A is only four minutes away. I'm like, wait a minute, how did you know I wanted Chick-fil-A? It's like Google knows you. <laughs> Google knows me. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of examples out there of machine learning already that we deal with in the everyday uh, life. So I mean, it's it's there and it's already happening. And, and no kidding, I mean, you look at the set of customers that are implementing AI and deep learning, every single web scale vendor, clearly, but also every single telco and service provider, every automotive and literally every transportation vendor, every payments and financial company, and pretty much everybody doing genomics, life science, and just about every government and every nation in the world is looking at AI and deep learning. In fact, when I was at Converse last week, I I had a chance and an opportunity to get over 800 of our field folks attending our six sessions. And we had a chance to really sort of touch on the, on the magnitude of this opportunity. We said, I don't think there's another opportunity that had every nation putting a policy behind it saying, we are going to be number one and we are gonna deregulate and we're gonna enable AI to really take precedent in our, uh, in our control. And so you've seen China clearly stepping up with uh, AI as a focus. You've seen U.S. react to that and put out a policy that says U.S. will be the number one in AI. And so when I look at the kind of national support and momentum that this technology is having, no matter where you're looking, whether it's Australia, whether it's Japan, whether it's China, whether it's Europe, whether it is Canada. I mean, Canada is a hotbed for AI. And you'll be amazed at the amount of startups and the partners and the ecosystem that's, that's developing in, in Canada on AI. 
what this basically is starting to look like is the closest example we may have from the past is the race for space. The race for space was really something of a national agenda. It was a patriotic agenda. It was something that really inspired everybody to come together to work on a technology that, that set a broad vision and a big goal. And that is really what AI is today. So I'm guessing that these countries have never seen any movies because deregulating AI, <laughs> that's the first step to Skynet, isn't it? Isn't that how that all starts? <laughs> See, there's, there's always two sides of a coin. And uh, I think the, the opportunity, of course, is a long marathon. It's not a sprint. AI is going to be you know, at the forefront, not for the next two, three, four, five years, but we're talking 10, 15 years, and getting the fully autonomous AI and broad AI and and the ability to really completely displace a human uh, may well be 15 years or more away. And even that, we may still find that, you know, the human touch is irreplaceable. Isaac Asimov's loss will help. Yeah, help absolutely. So, I mean, you mentioned yourself that, you know, the human is the biggest obstacle to things progressing. So how long before the machines figure that out? <laughs> I can't imagine well, it would take them that long. We, we, you know, it took, we were pretty much immediately saying that, like, oh, yeah, we're, we're the biggest problem. Well, we are seeing that in certain places, and I think that that's going to continue to evolve. So you're going to see automation, for example, take over from, uh, from uh, jobs that can be easily automated. You're seeing um, things like insurance estimates and insurance validation jobs that, that require a human to validate uh, are probably better done by using technology like deep learning and machine learning and being able to classify and and uh, and segment and really look at data in a more intelligent, holistic way. So, so there are going to be transformations of certain occupations. There's no doubt about that. But it's also an opportunity to look at how you then approach this from a more holistic, um, a, a more uh, productive approach because that that freed up productivity then opens up new ways of applying those uh, those those people in new organizations or, or existing organizations and just opens up a whole new set of opportunities. So walk me through what a typical machine learning uh, AI setup would look like. Like what sort of servers are involved? Of course, we know the storage is NetApp. I mean, but what, what what's behind the scenes there? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And for uh, uh, for something that is... Uh, as as broad and deep technology as AI, you have a wide variety of possibilities. Uh, the the natural possibilities are going to be AI deployed in the cloud with one of the public clouds like Azure, Amazon, and Google. Um, AI deployed at the edge device in an embedded form factor, such as your own cell phone, perhaps. Uh, or when you really get down to the core data center in the data center is the ability to build out on-premises AI deployments that are what are called a data pipeline for AI that start from data ingest that may be at the edge into the core of the data center where you're having one or a variety of data sources that are used to aggregate the data and may be used to curate and prep the data. And then the data is fed into a high high-speed, dedicated training cluster. Uh, and the training cluster is really what is new in this whole IT uh, architecture for AI. So when you look at a data pipeline, 
the data ingest at the edge has been there. And if you look back, you know, Robo was probably the edge in the past. And so we've gone from Robo to IoT, which is fine, but it's still an edge ingest of data. When you look at data lakes, you know, you could look at BI systems and data warehouse systems and say those were the data lakes of the past. And that would be true. What has changed is over time, people have innovated to create open source, freely available data lakes that allow for unstructured data, time series data, uh, on a variety of uh, document databases, key value pairs, and so on. And you have a variety of data stores that are appropriate and optimized for those kinds of data formats. So for example, you may have unstructured data sitting in a Hadoop data lake. You may have video, audio, and image data sitting in a general purpose file system, such as NFS. You may have high performance computing data, technical computing, and so on, or seismic, for example, all of those sitting in parallel file systems, so Lustre GPFS come to mind. You may have time series data and graph databases and NoSQL databases. So all of these collectively form what is called a unified data lake. Now, oftentimes they are not unified. They're all silos of, of data that are that are frankly just stranded and can't be interconnected and can't be tapped into for business insights. So the ability to deploy on a unified architecture, uh, such as ONTAP, allows you to now start to provide a single unified data platform hosting a variety of these data sources that can all be now federated and can be connected to tap into unified and seamless set of business insights. So you start looking at now ETL pipelines that then start to take curated data from these data lakes into the training cluster. And the training cluster is a high-performance GPU-based cluster. It may be a white box cluster, such as a super micro server, for example. It may be a named server vendor, the Cisco or HP or Dell, or uh, you know, pick your favorite server vendor. Or the most recent entrant in the space, and perhaps the most premier solution, is the NVIDIA DGX1. The NVIDIA DGX1 provides as much horsepower as 400 regular CPU-based servers. So just imagine that. 400 CPU servers are replaced by just one 3U server in the NVIDIA DGX1. And so the training cluster becomes a collection of um, server nodes that are clustered together for training and distributed deep learning. And through that training and deep learning process emerges a set of models that have been trained. Those models are then ETL'd into a deployment cluster. The deployment cluster is your DevOps-like system where you can have multi-tenant access from a set of uh, QA engineers, data engineers, data scientists, and application developers. So the models that have been trained then go through model testing, model validation, um, a wide range of uh, test scenarios and samples of data are tested with the models. You use typically about a third of your data set for training, and then the other two-thirds or other third may be used for deployment testing. So it goes through a series of validation, and then the models get published to a GitHub-like repository, and the models can then be used in application development, or these models can then be pushed back to the edge for AI inference. So that's sort of the edge to core part of the data pipeline. And of course, because these are petabyte-scale data sets, the data is not cost-effective unless you take into account how you achieve the lowest dollar per gig, and then comes the cloud. So you're able to achieve the least cost deployment by building an effective core data tiering strategy that may tier data out 
either to the public cloud or may tear data out to an on-prem, low-cost object store, such as our own storage grid WebScape. So that's an example of an edge-to-core to cloud pipeline that is focused on on-prem core for serious practitioners of AI. And then for many of the customers that want to take advantage of AI in the cloud from a skill set perspective, from an IP perspective, or even just to avoid the capex of, of uh, setting up those AI clusters on-prem, they may then deploy everything in the cloud. So in those cases, you have an edge to cloud data pipeline that gets all the data into the cloud and is then completely using either GPU as a service in the cloud or a cloud AI stack uh, or a combination of those. So that's sort of what your, uh, your data pipeline looks like and your IT architecture looks like for AI and deep learning. So you mentioned the DGX1s um, and with NVIDIA. Do we have any sort of reference architecture out there where people can kind of set up their own system if they were you know, able to blow that kind of money? <laughs> yes, we are absolutely working closely with NVIDIA, and uh, we just published a NetApp white paper um, just in the last few weeks, in fact, that really goes into the details of our joint solution with NetApp and NVIDIA. So there is a NetApp NVIDIA joint white paper that's available, and uh, we would uh, we would encourage people to take a look at white paper 7267, that is off of the NetApp uh, white paper page, or just Google for NetApp WP-7267, and you're going to find our technical white paper on scalable AI infrastructure design for real-world deep learning. And we can put that in the show notes. There's a there's a ton of information out there on deep learning and AI with NetApp. I mean, we have a landing page for deep learning AI, don't we? Yes, we now have a solutions page for AI and deep learning, and uh, uh, you know, an ever growing set of collateral around AI and deep learning, including your own previous podcast. Uh, we have a series of public shows and talks that we've done at uh, events, including the Media GTC and other events. And so the AI solutions landing page is uh, is starting to become quite the place to go to for all of the data sets that, um, that you might want to look at for AI collateral. And I know my team has been doing some, some work with your team in order to validate and, and verify that Trident works with all the NVIDIA uh, versions of Kubernetes, of Docker, et cetera. And I think we're adding some features into Trident, including on your favorite topic there, Justin, uh, in, into well, Trident. Uh, flex groups? No, Furbies. Furbies. I love Furbies, but I also love flex groups. I know. You also love Beanie Babies. <laughs> <laughs> I do. A collection. Yes. So we got to give a shout out for Trident. The Trident team's been great. And uh, and one of the things that Media is doing is really looking at what are the lessons learned from the world of big data and what we've seen in big data is all of the technology is great and it's all open source and, and innovation is coming at you rapidly. But the the flip side of that is you have a lot of a lot of changing and moving parts that are hard to validate and interoperate and stay stable and operational in deployments. And so oftentimes that becomes a challenge for on-prem deployments of big data. And so as you look at AI and how this is going to be new and better and uh, differentiated. I think one of the things that NVIDIA has done is taken an attempt to really publish tested, validated container stacks of deep learning frameworks. And they published this off of the NGC depot. And they have uh, a periodic updates, almost monthly updates of the, the NGC depot images. And so customers are going to find they're going to be doing container updates 
uh, at regular intervals to stay on track with the latest and greatest images for the deep learning frameworks. And that's where Trident comes in and can be really handy to automate the store of the soul for, uh, for the container image. So were you involved in the um, the, Vic, the Vincent AI project at all, or you know, what's your familiarity with that? So the Vincent AI is a fascinating story, and this, is, this just goes back to how pervasive NetApp and NFS is. And, you know, we've been working on AI for a while, and uh, we've started, we had started to build up our AI core team, and we had field resources from, from EMEA and UK and Asia-Pac and so on that were all uh, starting to get engaged in the AI core team. And it turned out that we had a field person that was out in Germany, uh, Gerhard Wolf, who you all may know, who ran into a partner who showed him a brochure that said, look at this, this is a NetApp alongside the DGX1, and this is on a partner's brochure. And so Gerhard kind of, uh, you know, being part of the AI effort, and, you know, he, Gerhard's a great guy, and he sort of reached out immediately to all of the rest on the core team and said, look what I found. And Gerhard then pointed to Wes, Vesilis, uh, who is in the UK. And this particular partner happened to be in the UK. And so in a matter of days, we were, uh, you know, the trail led from Germany to the UK and with Sunnyvale uh, in between. And so we basically uh, reached out to the customer and turned out the customer was deploying on uh, existing FAS systems but uh, we've had a great partnership with uh, the customer, Cambridge Consultants, and they've been absolutely fantastic. They've been a, a pioneer in data science. They've invested in data science since 2012. They built out the data science lab for AI since 2014. They've been using DJX1 for a while and now starting to use NetApp uh, more actively with that. And so we're, we're working pretty closely with that. Vincent was there, their foray into AI, and they started to really build out their knowledge and capabilities and build out the Vincent system. And as they did that, um, that just became a demo that took off because of its ability to, to show nicely. And so today, if you if you come into the Sunnyvale DVC, you're going to see a Vincent edge inference system that is available in the DVC by the cafe for AI demos. And if you're not aware of what Vincent is, so basically you draw something on this board and it basically says, I'm going to turn this into a Van Gogh painting. So anyone can become Van Gogh, more or less. That's that's perfect for someone like me who can who can draw as my life depended on it. But you, you know, don't even have to cut off your ear. <laughs> you can keep your ear. <laughs> so we actually have a fantastic artist and my colleague uh, Sundar, who's actually an excellent artist, and uh, he actually really showed what Vincent could do because when he sat down and started really sketch something out, that thing produced quite a masterpiece. So. So Vincent's true abilities still need someone with a little bit of art in them, but yeah, certainly even a uh, a novice artist like myself probably will see something coming out coming out of it. Well, you're going to get me into trouble. I can't talk about what's coming as we look forward. You could just say I yes. Say, there there are things. <laughs> there is always a yes. There there is always a yes. There's plenty of things that we're looking at, and uh, don't get me started on what we're doing. But all I can say is yes. Keep keep your eye on uh, on the AI. Um, AI bandwagon, there's going to be a ton of stuff coming out in the near term, in the short term, mid term, and we're continuing to produce new content at rapid pace. And what's most exciting for me is the field has really taken this cause to heart and getting 800 people in a non-mandatory session at Converge or close to 800 was, was really absolutely 
satisfying and uh, you know this is this is really a cause that people are undertaking to heart and we're looking forward to success stories from the field and in fact one that we haven't talked about make sure is that the second largest deployment of AI in Asia Pacific is actually on a NetApp system. That's another fascinating story. It's amazing how we discovered these, but we were again working with some of our field team members out of Asia Pack and John Martin, another great ally on the on the field side, that was reaching out to channel partners and wars and our local TPMs to see what DJX resell was happening in APAC and who was doing that. And out of the blue, he discovered this sales team in Asia Pack that had sold last year the second largest deployment of AI on NetApp. And, and, you know, for them, this was just, hey, we do this every day. We are the leaders in NFS. People want NFS. We're going to sell it all day long. What do you mean AI? And so this was just an amazing discovery for us because it was a 25-node DGX1. It was used to host their um, AI for the Winter Olympics. This is a service provider in Asia Pacific. We've got to keep it a little anonymous, so don't talk about too much of the customer specifics. But it was the system that was used in the Winter Olympics and just truly highly scalable system, 25 node DGX on NetApp. And so the net of it was they, they opened it up, we did a POC, and the customer went to NetApp NFS and Flex Groups and ONTAP. And so they're on a uh, on, a, on track to add in another two petabytes of flash to this AI deployment, which is the second largest in Asia pack. So looking forward to more such big deals in the future. I, I heard you say flex groups. Was was I mistaken? Flex group. It's ah, flex hey. Group. Every single one of these is flex group. That's right. Should be. Yes. Scalable. Fast. Performant. <laughs> okay. 20 petabytes. 20 uh, petabytes and growing. Yes, that's right. Okay. Enough, enough marketing spin. So the uh, reference architecture would be great to have our field and other uh, partners looking at it. We're working closely with the channel partners, and this is a, uh, a solution that starts out with a starter config that's a one-to-one solution where you can have one DGX node with uh, one HA pair of AFF, and just the, the breadth and versatility of AFF makes the platform suitable across a variety of its offerings, so whether it be the A800, which is really the the crown jewel for AI, or if you take a step down to the A700S or even the A300, they're all perfect matches for a starter solution that gives you uh, a very good start, and then you can scale it up to a one to five deployment with the A800. Now you can have five DJX1s being fed of one A800 HA pair. And so when you look at this joint CI solution, we believe that we are really um, you know, second to none when it comes to performance and scalability, and most importantly, the ability to really build out a full data pipeline from edge to core to cloud. So you're looking at, for example, with the A800, significant amount of throughput in the range of 25 gigabytes with a flex probe, and um, capacities that really range into multiple petabytes. And that's just a single HA pair. And then you talk about 12 of these HA pairs, and that's 300 gigabytes of bandwidth, and over 11 million IOPS for those random reads of the image sampling, as well as, you know, tens of petabytes of capacity that can be carved out uh, into multiple flex groups as needed to be a, um, a workhorse for AI and deep learning. So really excited by what the solution brings. We are working with uh, NVIDIA DGX1 on the server side, 
and the networking is Cisco uh, switching for Ethernet, and we are the only vendor with 100 gig Ethernet. So it's an end-to-end -end 100 gig solution from the DJX1 through the Cisco switching to uh, the 800 with 100 gig. And then if you're deploying the the um, the next level down with A700s and A300, then you're deploying 40 gig or 10 gig as the case may be. Can we expect any sort of benchmarks in the near future for this particular reference architecture of performance? Yes. In fact, the white paper has a variety of benchmarks. So we are using uh, three or four different neural network benchmarks. Uh, the most common ones that are in use typically tend to be the ResNet, N52, ResNet50, BGG, AlexNet, and so on. And so what we have published here is benchmarks that scale out from one to two to four to eight GPUs. And we continue to look at advances in benchmarking, you know, new potential benchmarks and new potential neural networks that we can use to expand on these performance results. So, yeah, if you open up that white paper, we've got, we've got data there that shows you that we can keep these GPUs 100% busy, and we can do that with just a fraction of what the gas tank has in the 800. So this is a small data set because AI data sets are uh, fairly hard to get a hold of and public domain data sets are, are uh, fairly small in comparison to, uh, let's say, a Tesla data set or uh, Uber or, or Twitter or any of those uh, large-scale deployments. But even with this small data set, you know, what we're showing is we can keep those GPUs 100% saturated and continue to scale out linearly and then just build out modular additional blocks of 800 uh, to build out large DGX clusters. I was fascinated by the kinds of deployment counts that I'm hearing. Uh, the average service provider is probably a small deployment somewhere in the 20 to 25 DGX node. But if you look at, you know, airlines, for example, you're hearing stories of 100 DGX nodes. Uh, or oil and gas, you hear of several hundred DGX nodes. Uh, similarly, with large web-scale vendors, you know, Facebook and so on, you hear of hundreds of DGX nodes. And that is just mind-blowing when I think about several hundreds of DGX servers being deployed in, uh, in verticals like oil and gas and transportation and payments, financials, um, web-scale and so on. Just imagine the net new buyer and the net new workload potential that this opportunity has and the, and the importance for us to really focus on AI and be a part of this major transformative journey. I would imagine NVIDIA is happy about all that. <laughs> NVIDIA, as you can tell from the stock price, is flying on cloud nine. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Santosh, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Again, uh, if people want to reach you on social media, how do they find you? I'm on Twitter at, at Santorao, S-A-N-T-O-R-A-O. I'm on Twitter at Santorao. All right, excellent. Thanks for joining us today. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Santosh Rao for joining us this week. As always, thanks for listening. How do we avoid Westworld-style AI? Um, <laughs> I, I don't want Terminator Dolores coming after me. Have you seen the the thing where they're kicking the robots that clean the streets? That's how it starts. You treat all robots with respect because one day they will be your overlords.
Oh, yeah. It's the new golden rule. And I, for one, welcome our new rules out of the words. Just don't kick them. <laughs>